When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the program, there's an awful lot in the papers today about electricity and the amount of electricity we're using or not using and are we in danger at times of running out of uh, electricity and a lot of it is to do with the fact that the Central Statistics Office yesterday released figures and they show that 18% of all of the metered electricity that was used last year was used by data centres and that's the very same percentage that was used by all of the urban homes in this country. If you're looking at rural homes they used about 10% of all of the metered electricity and that came on the same day that Airgrid announced yesterday an amber alert on the electricity grid. Now it was due to uh, the low wind power generation. Data centres electricity usage has been climbing and it went up by 30% in 2022 compared to the previous year's year. Now there's around 70 data centres at the moment operating in Ireland. They're mainly around the Dublin area but there's a further 30 of them in planning and while data centre electricity usage has grown significantly, urban homes People living in urban homes are reducing their usage. That's down by about 10%. And actually in rural areas last year, the uh, people used 9% uh, less in their electricity usage. And that, I think, had a lot to do with we, we all saw how electricity costs were going up. And even though the government were handing out energy credits, everybody, and I think everybody continues to do their very best, making sure that the lights are off and, and the immersion is the immersion off. People using their tumble dryers at less. So it proved that it worked. If urban householders reduced their electricity by 10%, rural people by 9%, but yet the data centres continue to increase their electricity usage. Now, large energy users overall, and that would include the data centres, but it also includes other industry as well, they saw their consumption jump by 20% last year. Last year, Airgrid ruled out new data centres in and around the Dublin area and they ruled them out until at least 2028, while the Commission for the Regulation of Utilities, they said in late 2021 that they would impose a moratorium on new centres if it deemed it necessary to do so. And in the examiner today, Paul Dean, who is a serious research fellow at the Research Centre for Energy, Climate and Marine at UCC, he said the figures show that something has got to give between industrial 
and environmental policy. Although worries around the potential strain on the grid have been reduced by the use of backup generators, they do present a big problem for the country's climate ambitions. Now, the Environmental Protection Agency, their warning, and they've already warned that the country will fall far short of the 51% emissions reduction target. And remember, we're meant to meet that target by 2030, which is just under seven years away. And we haven't a hope of getting anywhere close to that emissions uh, target. The EPA said that as well as the likes of agriculture and transport, electricity faces a big challenge in decarbonising in the coming years. And when we talk about emissions reduction, we always seem to talk about agriculture and there's been constant talk about uh, about culls and, and reducing our herd numbers. And when it comes to transportation, constantly hearing there should be less cars than the road. But we don't see as much emphasis placed on electricity and it's looking like, and as EPA said electricity and electricity usage they need to decarbonise as well Now Paul Dean of UCC also added uh, it's very difficult to reduce our pollution coming from the power sector while increasing the demand for power at the same time so he said something has to give are we following an environmental policy in Ireland or do we want to follow an industrial uh, policy so what are we prioritising are we prioritising emission reduction or are we prioritising economic growth and that really is going to be the question for the government and the Environment Minister Eamon Rhyme he said that every data centre are going to have to play their part in bringing down the amount of carbon they uh, produced. And in the Irish Times, um, they are leading with a story that the coalition is set to resist calls from the opposition to try to halt these data centres. Now, seemingly the Social Democrats and People Before Profit, they've both called on the government to implement a moratorium on data centre expansion as well as put in new oversight of the sector. But it seems cabinet ministers have already rejected these calls and they say what is needed instead is a greater shift in data centres more um, uh, efficient. But certainly something is going to have to uh, give because, I mean, these data centres, their energy consumption figures are absolutely extraordinary. You know, and bearing in mind, we've got the 70, as we said, are already uh, in uh, Dublin. There's 30 more are in construction stages and there's more in the planning uh, stages. So, you know, when do we when do we in this country say enough is enough? Do we have a limit on the number of data centres in this country? Because certainly at the moment they are using a huge amount of the electricity. C103, we're proud partners for this year's Cork Summer Show, which is happening this Saturday and Sunday, 17th and 18th of June. You can go along and enjoy Munster's largest outdoor food market. Tickets are available on CorkSummerShow.com. But we have a great daily prize to give away today and indeed every day this week and it is a family pass entry into the show two adults and two children there's a lunch voucher in there which includes soft drinks and there's also free amusement rides it's a great great prize later on I will give you a question that is to do with a Cork place you might like to visit this summer and we'll be getting you to text or WhatsApp in the answer to win that daily 
today's daily prize for you and the family to head off to the Cork Summer Show happening this weekend and of course it is summertime and the weather has been good I think for farmers when it comes to saving the hay and thank you to Michael who sent me in an absolutely stunning photograph that he came across on uh, line. How often do you see cocks of hay? You don't see them anymore and as it was a picture that was taken in the Ballygawley area of County Sligo and it got me thinking I can't tell you when I last saw a cock, cocks of hay and this one as Michael says is really really well uh, made. Michael reckons it definitely wasn't made by a teenager but maybe it was maybe somebody's passing on the tradition I remember my late grandfather-in-law used to make cocks of hay and they were stunning and they were hard, hard work as well. How often do you see them now? I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen come across one in many, many years. So if anybody is out and about and you spot a well-made cocks of hay uh, in a, a field, take a picture because it, it truly is a, a wonderful, wonderful thing to see and it certainly is a dying tradition. Thank you for your text, Michael. Now, children at risk are Ireland, that's known as Carrie. They run Ireland's Child Sexual Abuse Helpline and many will be shocked to hear they get no state funding and are therefore appealing to the general public to help them cover their running costs. Emer O'Neill is Chief Executive of Carrie, and Emer joins me this morning. Good morning to Emer. Good morning Patricia, how are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now when we talk about child sex abuse, many people would think, oh that's a historical problem. But sadly, that isn't the case, is it? No, um, Patricia, not at all. And that would be our experience, um, that it isn't a historical issue. It is very relevant to Ireland today. And where does a parent go if they discover that their child has or is being sexually abused? Um, so that's where our helpline comes in to support parents or carers who have found out or whose child has told them that they have been harmed. They can phone our helpline and we give them support and advice um, and we listen to them and let them know what they can do and um, who to contact. If the abuse is at the hands of a family member and unfortunately many times it is, is there a lot of shame around that? Absolutely. Shame is massive in the area of child sexual abuse. Shame for the child. The child feels very ashamed, but also the parent feels ashamed. Um, They feel like, um, I haven't protected my child. How did I not know? Um, And they start questioning their whole parenting and decisions that they make. Um, And again, this is why the helpline is so important, because we reassure and give hope uh, to parents that a child sexual abuse does not define their child that the children are very resilient and there is hope there. So talk me through the services that you offer at Carrie. Outside of the helpline, what what else do you offer? So we work with children from the ages of 3 up to 18 who've been impacted by child sexual abuse. Um, We provide therapy for them and we provide support for their their parents. So when a child comes into Carrie, their parent also comes in and we give them support. And we also work with children from the age of 12 down to 3 who show um, sexual harmful behaviour. God, it's hard to believe of a, a, a child as young as three, Emma. It is, absolutely. Um, and see, this is our reality here in Kerry. We see this. Um, and I suppose how we work is we provide play therapy, art therapy, music therapy. And for, for, for children or adolescents who are able to talk, there is talking therapy 
um, as well. We go at the child's pace. Um, and, you know, young children aren't able to to um, language um, a lot of things, so they can do they work through their trauma through play. And and the parents also need a lot of support. They can um, absolutely. Um, I think it's because there's fear there, fear that they are going to do something. Um, to, to um, impact on the trauma, um, you know, um, and there's that kind of intensity to making sure their child is safe because when um, child sexual abuse enters into your home, your whole world turns upside down. You know, there's a lot of mistrust and you don't feel safe. The parent doesn't feel safe and the child most certainly doesn't feel safe. You know, their body no longer feels safe. So it's about supporting them in order to how to make you and your child feel safe. And that's what we do here in Cary. And there's also, you know, um, relationships, you know, um, because the trust is broken, you know, are you going to be able to make relationships? And, and this is really, really important here in Cary because therapy is not a quick fix. It's not like you come in for a number of sessions and off you go. This can take time. And depending where the child is and the family is and developmentally, you might have a child that comes into us at three, four and they do a number of sessions, and that's all they need for now. But they may come back at a later age because their understanding changes, and that's where they need support. But the initial part of when a parent finds out is really, really important um, in order for them to be able to talk about how they feel so they can support their child. And that's where the helpline appeal is so important. And that's where the helpline is really, really important because we help parents who are in that immediate crisis. They don't know what to do. They're lost, confused and feel helpless. Yeah, and it's at that time that they really need the, they need the support and to be pointed in the right direction. Are children getting better at talking about sexual abuse? It's always been such a, a hidden uh, issue and the perpetrator, you know, would always make sure that the child would never, te- would never tell anything, would never say anything to anyone. Are children getting better at identifying it and, and looking for the help that they need? Do you know what, um, Trisha, I think it's um, children are saying things, um, but I also think it's how us adults respond to it. Um, I think this is where it's really important that we need to be able to educate people around, you know, if a child says something, you know, follow up with it, talk to them. You know, if something doesn't feel right, talk to your child. Because children, you know, are, are, are also living in fear, a fear of breaking the family up if it's within the family, fear that they're not going to be believed, you know, um, and I suppose this is where adults um, are really, really important um, because we need to be giving them space to be able to talk and work it through. So if a child is roaring crying um, because they don't want to go somewhere, it's about slowing it down and talking to them and asking them, you know, how come you don't want to go? Now, I know all children are different and some children don't have the language, but it's trusting your gut as a parent. Mm -hmm. Something's not right here. I need to look at this. And this is really, really hard because when you find out that your child has been abused, it's like you're going to shock yourself. It's this belief. You can't believe your child has been hurt. Um, oh. And again, this is why, please phone us. We're yeah, here to support. I, I could imagine your whole world would come crashing down um, uh, around you. Because like, that's, that's what we do as parents. We want to protect our child. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 see, and this is where I suppose child sexuality is very complex um, because the impact, there's trauma for the child, trauma for the family. You know, as a mother, as a father, you know, our role is as parents to protect your child. And then somebody has hurt your child and you feel so guilty, ashamed, you know, that um, you're not good enough as a parent. 
Um, mm. And then children also feel not good enough. You know, um, if it happens within the family home, what did I do wrong? What's my, it's my fault. Um, I just want to be normal. You know, um, and that's what we hear on a daily basis from kids who come into us. Have you a waiting list for your services, Emer? We do. Um, currently, we have a waiting list of 204 children. Oh, yeah, and, um, and this is, this is you know, um, this is really important because our, our strategy is uh, we want, we're currently in Limerick is HQ and we have a centre Dublin and Wexford. We are looking at doing outreach in other places such as Cork um, as well, um, but we need funding and we need support. And we know this is a really, really hard topic and we know this um, um, child sexual abuse does have stigma. Um, and I suppose this is where we're looking for people to help us and support us. But for us, it's the helpline appeal because we do get a level of funding for Tusla for, for, for therapy. But the helpline appeal is it's the first point of contact. It really, really helps parents um, and it grounds them. Um, and we know from parents when they have told us and they've rang the helpline, they said they felt listened to us mm. and they weren't judged because, you know, people do feel judged. And that's what we're saying is, please phone us. We're here to support you. But also we're looking for people to support the helpline appeal um, it is, we're looking for 85 people across Ireland to raise a hundred or thousand euros for us. Um, but also, if anybody can donate, um, it doesn't have to be a um, thousand euros, whatever people can afford. We know that it is really, really hard at the moment for people um, with the, the economy and the environment and the cost of living. And we also know ch- other charities are like ourselves um, needing funding. Um, but we're really looking for people to support us, um, get behind us and beside us. Yeah, you're doing, you're absolutely doing such um, such vital work. And I'm assuming, uh, Emer, getting help for the child through therapy, vital for that child going forward. Oh, um, absolutely. Um, it is. And, and, and look, again, right, it is around, uh, but it's also support for the parent because the parent can support the child. So, so they can, if they get the right information, knowledge at the right time. And this is why the headline is so, so important, because we want to be able to give that to parents. OK, and your helpline, uh, is, it's still 95 Monday to Friday, isn't it? Um, yes, it is. Um, currently, that's what it is. OK, and it's 0818 0818-9245-67. And for people to, to help, particularly with donations, if anybody would like to donate or if anyone wants to get involved in that, the 85 people to raise 8,000, it would be great to get people to sign up for that. Uh, your website is probably the best port of call, is it? Absolutely. So it's carry.ie. Um, there's loads of information on that for okay. people. C-A-R-I carry.ie Listen, you do amazing uh, work uh, Emer. Uh, continue with it and thank you for joining us Thanks. on the programme this morning. Good Thanks, morning Patricia. to you. Bye-bye. Thank that you. is uh, Emer O'Neill, Chief Executive of uh, Carry Children at Risk in Ireland who really do uh, incredible uh, work. You'd love to see the day when we wouldn't need a helpline like that or services like that but unfortunately that is not the reality but uh, you know and that was one of the points that I made at the start of the interview with Emer because when we talk about child sexual abuse we have a tendency to think that's what happened in the past in Ireland that's what happened in industrial schools and in orphanages and child sexual abuse is not something that is very common today and sadly and unfortunately it is. Now a proposal to establish a green way from Patrick's Well in County Limerick to Charleville in County Cork was met with a questioning response from councillors attending the Canturk Mallow Municipal District Council meeting last Friday and to find out why I'm joined by Fine Gael councillor John Paul O'Shea Good morning to you, John Paul. 
Uh, good morning, Patricia. Good morning, dear uh, listeners. And you're, you're welcome. Now, what are your concerns here? Is this Greenway part of the Cork to Limerick motorway project? It is indeed, Patricia. So I suppose like it was a surprise to us that they were bringing forward just one element to it. Um, I suppose we hadn't um, prior noticed that this was coming to our council meeting, but obviously it's being led by Limerick County Council. It's still being done from the Limerick side, from Patrick's Well to Charleville. And obviously because Charleville's in the Cork County side, uh, we need a Section 85, which is kind of an agreement between two local authorities uh, to progress that greenway. And so we did get more information on it after last Friday week's meeting. Um, but I suppose our concern would be is that there is a proposal for um, a full greenway from Limerick City to Cork City as part of the of the, the M20 project and I suppose we want to make sure that that will happen and that no part of Cork or indeed Limerick will be left out in the process. And that, so this will be under Transport Infrastructure Ireland then, would it? That's right. So Transport Infrastructure Ireland took over all the progress of all the greenways right across the country in the last number of years. This is the new role that they got from Minister Ryan. Um, but I suppose, look, the M20 is progressing. We have allocated €6 million Euros towards it this, this year. Limerick County Council is progressing that. So fingers crossed that that will uh, progress to the next phase. But we were surprised with it. But I suppose when we did get the explanation, Patricia, I suppose, uh, if your listeners can recall, um, you know, from uh, travel to Patrick's Well, uh, this proposed greenway is going to go alongside um, an unused railway uh, or, or on a unused railway, um, which is very different from Charleville to Cork because the Charleville to Cork railway line is obviously still being used. Mm. Um, so the greenway from that will go along the, in the current in 20 and um, so obviously that left to be progressed as a, in conjunction with the M20, whereas the one from Charleville to Patrick's Well will progress uh, in its own right along the old railway line. So would you expect that to be opened well ahead then of the... Absolutely, and look, it's going to be a, a wonderful asset to Charleville. I represent Charleville um, town and its environs, and there's a lot of people living in Charleville now. There's over 4,500 people in Charleville, so it's very important that we do uh, provide um, active travel arrangements for it, and I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful project. But I said we were surprised and taken back that TI were progressing with one section of it only. Um, but I suppose when it was explained to us in more detail that it's been um, progressed along an old um, railway line. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, obviously, then that can progress further because the one from Charles Cork will obviously have to wait uh, to go in conjunction with the M20 project. And so therefore, the fact that it does come into County Cork because of Charleville, as a council, you have to give permission, I'm assuming, for the project to go ahead. We do indeed. So that's called a Section 85 proposal. So Limerick County Council is leading out in this, but obviously we have to get permission for, for them to lead out in the Charleville side of it, which we were happy to to progress along. It's going to full council for approval um, uh, next week. So um, I'm sure there won't be any, um, I suppose, people, um, now that it's quite explained to them and see what's happening, um, there won't be any objections, I don't think, to this proposal. But it's very important for us as, as Cork County Councillors to ensure I suppose, we mark the card for TII to make sure that we do want the Greenway going from Cork to Limerick as part of the M20 project in case any, I suppose, um, you know, uh, if there's any thought of, of shortening the Greenway or, or, or lessening it in any effect. Because, you know, people that reside in County Cork or in County Limerick have a, have a right to Greenways as well. And we are progressing a number of Greenways, as you know, the Mallard to Dungarva one is progressing at the moment. Um, and there's consultation with landowners at the moment in relation to that. But we don't have that many Greenways in North Cork, Patricia. So yeah, we don't, I'm, yeah. I, right. I'm very... I'm very much promoting a one from Cantor to Namarcus on an old disused greenway um, or an old disused railway line uh, at the moment. So it's important to us that we do try and uh, progress the quality of life 
um, uh, for people of North Cork as well. We have a number of them in West Cork, we have a number of them in South Cork and East Cork. Uh, so it's, I suppose we, we're looking for our own share here in North Cork as well. And we have the monies for them. And uh, But I suppose it's important that we do have proper engagement with relevant uh, landowners and uh, and Irish Rail in relation to um, progressing those for North Cork. And is there a lot of interest from local people? I mean, are, are people calling for greenways? Yeah, like I, I proposed uh, the um, potential of having one between Kenturk and the market uh, over two years ago and we're doing some uh, surveys on that at the moment and doing some uh, feasibility study on it. And there's huge interest from, from people who love cycling, recreation cycling, people who love running, people who love just to go for a, a recreational walk. So um, I think it's hugely, hugely important that we do progress it because all roads are getting busier, Patricia. Uh, they're getting very dangerous. Uh, so people wa- love to walk in the likes of Donnell Park and likes of Mallow Castle and likes and likes of Kentucky Castle, but if they want to go for a lovely stroll that's five or six uh, kilometres long, uh, a lot of people do that in the green maze now. Mm, they are great. They're, they're and we've, we've seen and we've seen huge potential in the in the the, the Limerick Greenway as well, which a lot of them have a lot of people from County Cork utilise as well now from maybe Fields, Newcastle, Western onwards as well. So it's wonderful to see that they're being utilised. Mm. And seeing as we've touched on and mentioned the the uh, the M20 uh, motorway, where are we with funding on all of that? Is it still on the back burner, or where is it? No, some 20 projects is proceeding, Patricia, and uh, that has been allocated over 6 million euro this year uh, to progress to the next phase. That's been uh, led out by Limerick City and County Council. Just okay. the, the Manor Relief Road is where, where, where we have some difficulty. We've only been allocated 100,000 euro for that project this year. And um, Orion must, uh, our County Council would be allocated 1.4 million euro to progress us to the next stage. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't get the proper allocation. So uh, we met with on Taoiseach Leobradka last Friday on this issue, and uh, we're pushing it very strong for a, a reallocation of funds um, to be allocated to the Mallow Relief Road as we go through the year. Uh, you might have seen in the papers yesterday morning that there's a currently a 10% underspend yeah, on transport yeah. projects. Um, so we've put it very clear to uh, the Taoiseach and Minister Ryan, uh, and indeed to the Taunister, uh, and in fairness to the Taunister and, and, and the Taoiseach, they're both very supportive for the project and they are going to discuss with Minister Ryan and I'd be very hopeful that we would have a very positive solution um, towards the mid-year. Like it's long, long overdue that ring road for Mallow. Absolutely, Patricia. I'm 15 years in local government next year and it's been long before I was involved and so there needs to be some action on this at this stage and the sooner we get it, the better for everybody involved because Mallow is choked. Um, we do have, uh, as you know, traffic from the N72 coming right through uh, into the bottom of the town and without, I suppose, relieving that traffic, Mallow is never going to progress to the to the level we wanted to progress at. that. And actually, it's funny that we should be talking about a greenway from uh, Patrick's Well to Charleville because Charleville is another town and unfortunately... We We've seen fatalities on the main street in in Charleville. They desperately need a ring road as well. Oh, absolutely. And we're, we're currently, um, I suppose, have approval now from TII to progress with uh, feasibility options for a relief road. We have it included in our county development plan, Patricia. There is um, a relief road included on it. So I think the sooner the consultants are appointed and we get progress on that, the better. Um, like, realistically, the NM20 project is still six to seven years away because we hope to progress it to um, uh, CPO this year and next year in relation to and have, have our environmental impact studies done. Um, but obviously, this takes a huge amount of time. Uh, it is a, it is over a, a billion and a half a billion euro of a project, so it's very important, I suppose, that I suppose all the areas dust and the T's are crossed because we all know what happened with the relief roads uh, in Galway. 
we don't want to go down that road mm. in terms of any project that we have here in North Park. Um, so it's very important we do it correctly and do it right um, so we can progress. But if there's huge enthusiasm for it to proceed, we do need to link our uh, two second and third largest cities in Cork and Limerick together. And not, it's not only those two cities, but it's all the towns like Charleville, Bushfront and Mallow, uh, and indeed Morn Abbey as well, all the way up along Gwinnah, Retoff. Uh, all those people deserve the opportunity now to, um, to have their villages grow and foster and uh, it, it, being in a 20 project, is that, that's what it's all about. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll keep dreaming of the day that we get to drive on it, uh, John Paul. And just before I let you go, this is, it's a council issue, but it's out of West Cork, but you might have the answer uh, to it. A listener has been on to say that the grass was cut in, it was in Cork Mac yesterday. It's an outside company that the council have hired to come in and cut the grass. Uh, but the, the people who cut the grass piled all the grass cuttings on the waterfront, let it there to rot, and how much of it has fallen into the tide. So the question that this system wants to know is when a company is hired by the council to cut the grass on green areas, are they meant to take the grass cuttings away with them? Well, I can only uh, talk for North Cork, but, uh, yeah. but I presume it's relatively, relatively the similar uh, right across the, the county. But we have uh, a contractor that uh, collects the first cut and then mulches the rest of it um, from there on. So we have a um, scheduled cut every 14 days afterwards. Yeah. Um, and like there shouldn't be any issue now with weather-wise, um, because sometimes there could be a bit of a delay when there is um, bad weather or it's raining. Uh, so I'd maybe urge that person to get in contact with their local um, councillor in the area so they can follow up on it. But certainly from an Alcock perspective, we do have a contractor in place. They pick up the first cut and then they mulch the, the remaining Yeah, and by mulching the rest, you don't have that issue with... Yeah, you would have a lot of cutting, grass cuttings after the first cut, but you wouldn't yeah. then with, with mulching. Okay. And, some, and sometimes when you have a very bad year and you might have continuous rain for a, for a month, uh, you might have get a, a significant cut where it has to be collected again or it has to be um, uh, you know pushed into the side. But we shouldn't have that issue this year because we've had wonderful weather in the last month 100%. and there should be ample opportunity for people to... For the contractor to cut the grass at this stage. Okay, all right, well answered. Listen, John Paul, thank you for that. Take care, Patricia. And, uh, take care. Good morning to you. That is uh, Fianna Gael, uh, North Cork Councillor John Paul uh, O'Shea. So uh, to that uh, listener in Cormac, I would suggest getting on to uh, a local representative to see what happened there because it does sound like when the listener said all the grass, all the grass cutting was piled up on the waterfront. I mean, that, that wasn't mulching the grass. So was that the first cut? If it was, it seems a bit late that it would be the first cut of the uh, season. Uh, but according to John Paul O'Shea, but it, uh, maybe it varies from council area to council area but I couldn't see I imagine that's fairly standard across all the council area they employ a company they take away the first cut and then they mulch it after that 0818 103 103 I mentioned earlier when I was talking about uh, our electricity usage and how we ended up on an amber alert on the electricity grid yesterday and I was tying it in with the fact of the amount of electricity that has been used by the data centres in this uh, country. They use a huge amount, nearly 20% of, I, I, I can't get my head around that, nearly 20% of all of the metered electricity that was used last year was used on uh, data centres. Somebody says, uh, Patricia, here's one for you. Let's stop objecting to wind uh, farms. Could you imagine all the clean renewable energy we would have if we had more uh, wind farms yeah but that wouldn't have helped us yesterday because yesterday Airgrid they announced the amber alert uh, because of low wind power that was being uh, generated what we would need is to have more of the wind farms out at sea uh, in order that that wouldn't be happening but certainly the wind farms on land when you get I mean at the moment we have this 
Hu- very humid weather and it is completely dead air like there isn't a puff of wind out there and of course uh, that means all of the wind farms that are on land none of the wind turbines are uh, spinning at the moment Karen has been onto the programme she says very frustrating to hear about the data centres and the amount of electricity they are using while we are constantly hearing from the government with the ads running on TV and radio and social media for all of us to reduce our electricity and yet we have these data centres consuming 30% more power last year than they did in 2021 and if you look back to 2015 they they are now using 400% more than they did in 2015 but I'm just reading on the news wires that the Thornish uh, Micheál Martin has said, um, you know, is pointing out that we are a technology-centred economy and therefore there is a need for the data centres and unfortunately there'll be a need for further uh, data uh, centres. Michael Martin said uh, it is a very significant challenge though uh, reconciling digitalisation of the economy with the need to decarbonise society. He said Ireland is a good location for data centres but he did admit that there are challenges with how much energy they actually use. Mio Martin said that they've been working with state agencies and with the regulators in terms of trying to create a framework that will allow us uh, to grow in a sustained uh, way. And then the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, he said that there are restrictions on new data centres and he added that there has to be restrictions on these new data centres. But he also then went on to defend the growth of these centres. He said it's an integral part of Ireland's uh, economy. There's over 100 thousand people who work in the tech centre and those hundred thousand people they rely on the existence of these data centres and then of course he went on to point out that Taoiseach did that it results in tens of billions of taxes from the tech companies and we know the amount of money we make in corporation tax and a lot of that is coming from these tech companies but he's saying in the future uh, what that what we need to do is are that these data centres need to be powered by renewable energy um, and he does say that, look so much has been put into wind and and solar power but that's going forward but we can't build that fast enough and we can't get enough of that fast enough and if you've got air grid saying well there wasn't enough wind yesterday so there wasn't enough to generate enough electricity yesterday so hence we had to go on an amber uh, alert it is a real catch-22 uh, situation from certainly from the government's uh, point of view you know these te- these data centres and these tech companies are bringing in you know a huge amount of uh, money but when we see the energy that's been used by the data company there, that's absolutely extraordinary. And it's to try and get that line between what's good for the environment, but also what's good for the uh, economy. But certainly the way forward is to get the tech companies and to get the data centres to get them <clears throat> making sure that the energy they're using is coming from renewable energy and that certainly will solve a lot of the uh, problems 0818 103 103 but Karen uh, is right we are being constantly told to reduce our own energy costs and, and our own energy usage and it does look like we are I, I mean I thought it was really good to see that householders uh, we're down about we're all down about 10% on our energy use 
last year compared to the previous year. So certainly householders are doing it. Don't know if they're necessarily doing it for the environment or if they're doing it to try to keep the high bills uh, down. I think that's probably more the reason. I've had an email in from Brendan Piper of uh, Piper's Funfair. We've been talking with uh, Brendan uh, quite a lot as he's uh, desperately trying to get the Funfair reinstated and bring the Funfair back to Kinsale. And I know whenever we have uh, Brendan on, we always get calls in from uh, listeners talking about their own childhood or bringing their children or they remember going there with their parents and uh, people saying that, you know, Piper's Funfair is very much part of summers in uh, Kinsale. But as we know, there's been an issue with the council particularly to do with a bond that they want Brendan Piper to come up with because the area where the fun fair goes every year, the car park recently got... um new surface put on it and the council are fearful that any damage could be done even though Brendan Piper is adamant that no damage if there was any damage it would be uh, fixed when at the end of the funfair season uh, but anyway and the argument continues and there has already been one public uh, protest and the last time I spoke with Brendan uh, I, a few listeners had said was there any plans for another protest and I asked Brendan and he said if there was he would let, let us know so I've had an email from him this morning to say that he's planning on holding a public protest in Shortkey in Kinsale next Sunday at two o'clock in the afternoon. Once again, calling for the reinstatement of Piper's Fun Fair to the uh, town park for the 2024 uh, season and for the foreseeable future. So I take it from that he's given up on this year, 2023, but he's now trying to put in place something so that he'll know he'll be able to go next year and for, for foreseeable uh, few, uh, seasons. So this protest is organised. Now, he's he has written to all members of the Bandon and Kinsale Municipal District uh, councillors and he's written to them about this protest and he says in his email to them that he will postpone the protest if the members of Bandon and Kinsale Municipal District sit down with him and his representatives around a table and try to work out what can be done to reinstate the funfair going uh, forward. Failing that, if they don't agree to the meeting, he's then said to them, look, come along to the protest and answer the questions that members of the public have that he's not able to answer. He's also uh, planning a uh, bringing his uh, protests to Cork City. There's a protest range for Cork City for the following Sunday, the 23rd of uh, June. And following on for that, he's going to arrange a protest for County Hall. So he's not, in fairness to Brendan, on behalf of Piper's Funfair, he is not giving up. So as of now, there is a protest in Kinsale next Sunday at two in the afternoon. If we get anything further on that, we will bring it to you. 0818-103-103. A listener says, uh, hi, Patricia, hope this message finds you well. Does indeed. Thank you very much. The reason why people are using less electricity is absolutely down to the expensive cost of electricity at the moment. When or when will we see these prices start to slow down? And that's from a West Cork listener. I don't know. I I absolutely don't know. I know the first of the electricity bills now are starting to arrive. These are the first ones without the credit, the 200 euro energy credit that the government have been given all uh, householders. Now, the only thing is at this time of the year, your electricity bills normally are lower than what they would be in the uh, winter months. But they're still, if you're one of those... uh 
uh, people who have maybe has kept a note of how much your electricity bill was on previous years. If you're comparing last year to this year, it certainly is much higher. And that's even with reducing your amount of electricity uh, costs. So yes, I, I 100% agree with you. It's uh, it, While some people will say they're reducing their energy costs from an environmental point of view or reducing their energy usage from an environmental point of view, the majority of people are doing it simply because electricity has gone so expensive and they're doing everything that they can with this cost of living crisis to try to keep the bills uh, down. And talking of electricity and wind turbines and how we need, as a country, we need to start relying more on solar power and relying more on wind-generated electricity. Uh, Michael said, I would be against further wind turbines being erected. People do not realise the damage they do to us us being people who live near these turbines. I live three kilometres away from them in Kanturk. I can hear the noise every single night, plus the vibrations runs underground and it's only people that live near them will feel this and you've got to live with it. And I think, yeah, I mean, everyone accepts that we need to have renewable power and everybody knows if we had more renewable power, our electricity bills would be less. So that's a plus for everybody. So everybody knows solar power is the way to go and wind generated is is the way to go. But nobody wants to live under the shadow of a wind turbine. And yes, Michael Cantark is right. There are many people who unfortunately, because of where they live, wind turbines were erected in their area. People would have objected to them because no Nobody wants them in their backyard. But that's why we need to start developing the wind shores, the wind farms offshore and put them out at sea. Now, I know there's plans in place uh, to do it, but we've been talking about that for so many years. I just wish they would get their act together and start developing these wind farms out at sea and away so that you wouldn't have to have local people objecting and you wouldn't have to have people like uh, Michael who has been forced to live with the noise there every night plus the vibrations. 0818103103. And Marion Skibbereen is wondering other people's thoughts on the petrol, the new petrol that we're all using now, the E10 petrol. She says, has anybody noticed anything different? She says it feels like water going into the car. She also feels she's filling up a lot more since the introduction of using E10. Has anybody else noticed that? Now, we did an interview about uh, the E10 uh, petrol. This is the petrol. It replaced E5. It was was it E5. And the E10 means it contains 10% ethanol by volume, whereas E5 contained 5% uh, ethanol. And it is a European Union uh, directive that was introduced as far back as uh, 2011, but it only actually officially came into this country uh, now. And I remember at the time when we had it came, the 1st of July, I think it, E10 must replace all over the country must be replaced by the 1st of July. So we're getting very close to that. But most of the garages are already switching over now. And I remember we had the AA, I'm was the AA we spoke with about it um, at the time because people were just wondering what it was and, you know, was it going to damage their car? Would it make any difference to, the, to their car? And we're told for the vast majority of uh, people, no cause for concern, as most cars on Irish Road will run on uh, E10 uh, with no cause for concern. And, you know, it was only really older cars that it was going to affect and that you should know any uh, difference. But there is uh, Marion Skibbereen reckoning 
she has noticed a difference. So let's put it out there and see has anybody else noticed that Mary reckons she's getting less and I'm assuming she does the same amount of driving every week. It isn't that she's increased her driving, but she reckons she's not getting the same bang for her buck on the E10 uh, petrol, which is, as, as I say, come the 1st of July, will be in all garages. 0818103103. And I've had a couple of texts and a WhatsApps and I don't know if John Paul also had calls in uh, from people wonder if we could find out what's going on with the County Council office in Mallow. One listener, for example, said I've been trying to ring since yesterday. I'm having problems getting through. Somebody else was saying it looks like that phone has been disconnected. I got John Paul onto the case. This is the Annabelle office of uh, Cork County Council in uh, Mallow. Uh, so John Paul got on and he said, yeah, uh, he's agreeing with the listeners that it, it, it sounds like it's it's been disconnected or it's out of service. Have they paid the bill? I wonder. So um, we'll email and see what exactly is going on there but for now if you're trying to get through to the Annabella office of Cork County Council the Mallow office it looks like there's something up with their phones 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs a receptionist is required for the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow you can email your CV for the attention of Tracy to info at hibernianhotelmallow.com An evening customer support agent is wanted in Blackpool. Email your CV to humanresources at armaconnect.com And Ashgrove Renewables, they're based in Mallow. They're looking for a solar PV salesperson. Now it's to cover the Limerick Clare area. Salary and bonus details are available on request. Details of these jobs and more job opportunities are available by going online. You go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. cmig.ie. And thank you to Martin, one of our listeners, when I mentioned that some of our listeners were having problems getting through to Cork County Council, the Annabelle offices in uh, Mallow. So we've emailed them to see what's going on because it looks like the phone lines are out of order. Martin's quick as a flash was on to say, yes, phones are out of order at the Annabella office. We actually called into them and they said they are working to sort out the issue. So and thank you for that, Martin. So unless you can call in in person, hold off, uh, give them a few hours to try to sort out that issue they're having with their phones. Now, according to the Irish Daily Mail, human trafficking gangs are using social media to lure teenagers as young as 14 into laundering cash illegally by signing them up to become money mules. Raising our concerns and offering words of advice is Neve Davenport, who's head of fraud at the Banking and Payments uh, Federation. Uh, good morning to you, Neve. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's always a pleasure. I suppose, firstly, just remind listeners what a money mule is. Yeah, so essentially this is somebody that allows their account to be used by somebody else to transfer funds through it. Um, and like you said, we're seeing it, generally we see it with the younger age group, kind of 18 to 24 year olds, but we have seen younger. And with the cost of living crisis as well, unfortunately, older people are also lured into it. And these, I mean, to hear that there's ads, I mean, what for, format are the online ads taking? Are they blatant ads? Um, that's what we've seen so far. Um, it's generally on social media um, there's people being approached on social media with ads saying if you want to make quick cash if you want to 
you know, go on holidays, kind of anything is supposed to fund a lifestyle. Or, you know, for college students, obviously, trying to get um, accommodation, rents are high, it's hard to get part-time jobs these days as well. So they might be tempted to kind of go for the quick cash option. And are all of the popular social media sites displaying these ads? They're all on it, um, and they all are working to try combat it. Um, you know, obviously, the fraud, what I always say is fraudsters are always one step ahead, and as soon as one site's taken down, you know, they're very quick at, at, at getting another one up. But also, not just online, but we are actually seeing that um, school children have been approached, the secondary age school children and, I suppose, college, college students have been approached in person as well. Goodness me, but, I mean, school children, surely parents keep an eye on their accounts and would know if there's money moving in and out of an account. Yes, we'd urge parents to make sure they know exactly what their children um, are using money for on their accounts. And, you know, there are options, particularly with some of the digital accounts as well, that you can actually have control of it and you can get the alerts and notifications on it. So it is really important to talk to your children to make them understand. You know, we, we've obviously spoken a lot about the different types of fraud scams, um, like the text message scams, the email scams, that businesses fall victim to as well. But we never really kind of, the full journey is where does that money go when you've been defrauded? So that transfer of money has to go somewhere. And it's being used, like the fraudsters aren't putting it into their own accounts. They're getting other people to transfer that money. And these are the accounts that we're talking about. And is, so that's how money laundering works. If somebody signs up for this, um, if, if I stupidly signed up to be a money mule, I give my bank account details and then money is transferred into my account, is it? And then what do I do with exactly. it? Exactly. So money will be transferred into your account and you'll get to keep maybe, say, 200 euro or 100 euro of it, depending. It's kind of like a commission fee, I suppose, is how they put it. And you transfer the balance then to either one other account or a number of other accounts on behalf of that person. Some people do, I will say, fall into it unwittingly. You know, they may think they're doing a good deed for somebody that they know of their approach in college, saying, look, I can't get an account opened for whatever reason, can I just put some money in and you can transfer it on for me? So there are cases that people have unwittingly fallen into it, but unfortunately, more more often than not, they know what they're doing. And the real worry, obviously, Neve, is with the cost of living crisis, you can almost understand if somebody's really struggling why they might get sucked into this. I think that's the thing. People think it's a harmless crime, but they don't realise what the money is actually funding. So they are tempted, they, you know, Bills have to be paid, school, you know, kids go to school, it's expensive, times are expensive. And it might seem like, what's the harm in letting kind of some money go through my account? You know, it's not really going to make a difference to anyone. But it is funding things like human trafficking, uh, drug trafficking, very serious organised crime is what's what's been funded by this. And also the risk of prosecution. So you can face up to seven years in jail for this. You can be fined. And also the future prospects, especially for the younger age group, you know, you have difficulty getting, um, say, mortgages or credit cards. Or I know they don't think about this at this at a I know, age. I know. So it's hard to think. But even things like that might be more relevant is like their J-1 visa to go yeah, to the US yeah, or Australia. You won't, yeah, you won't, you won't, you won't get a visa. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. And, and you're right to point out this isn't a victimless crime. No, it's not. It really is funding terrible, terrible atrocious crimes that are happening you know, all around Ireland and across the world, this is what it's funding. It's it's not a victimless crime um, and there are people suffering as a result. Liz wants to know, are social media sites doing enough to remove these ads? It's a constant battle. Um, we always are supportive of anything the social media companies are doing and I'd really urge parents as well if they do see something that is on social media to report it um, because they need people to report it as well so they can stop the, stop the flow of it. 
And actually, I saw you quoted in, in the papers um, today again okay. on, on an issue I think we discussed before, and this is to do with pensioners being conned out of their life savings. I mean, these this type of crime, I just, uh, I, I it saddens me, but I get so angry about it because we're not talking about pensioners who, while there might be a lot of money involved, these aren't very wealthy pensioners. No, so uh, this is on the investment scams um, yeah. that are doing the rounds. Yeah, they've been going around for a few months now and we're trying to get as much awareness out as possible on these scams and other scams. So I do urge people to sign up to be an email alert on fraudsmart.ie. Um, you can sign up and we do let people know what's going around and one of them is the investment scam. This scam in particular is quite devastating. So it is what we're seeing, like minimum investment things like €20,000. So it's a lot of money. But as you said, it's not people with money just lying around that they have spare. It's, you know, you're coming up to retirement age, as we said, things have got really expensive. And you're saying to yourself, do I have enough to retire on? Do I have enough to live on? Have a good lifestyle. You've earned it, mm. <laughs> you know. And you're taking out that lump sum maybe from a pension and you're investing it in, in some of these investment scams. So really, really do your homework. One of the key differences with these scams is um, that what we're seeing is that because you've gone on to do the research to look for these investments, your attendance might not be up. You might not be that right. It's not like someone has contacted you out of the blue. You've done your research and you're trying to find it. So if there is an investment that you see and it's got a well-known brand on it, what we say is try to talk to that company. Talk to them directly, do your research, get an independent number and really do your homework before you transfer any money. And these, these scam artists, have they no shame? They know what they're doing. No, and like I said, this is, these are all the type of scams that are going into the money mute account. This is the full circle of it. So this money then that you're being scammed out of your €20,000. Um, and that's kind of the message I'd like to say to like people who are tempted into the money mules as well. It's not a harmless crime. So it could be your grandparents yeah. or your mother or your father who's about to retire. That's the money that you're transferring through the account. This is not just some kind of random hunter's money. This is money from your community and the, and your family and friends are losing this money to and that's the money that's been funded through the Money Mule account. And actually yesterday I spoke with um, Alice Coyle from uh, Galway and she was just alerting people. She lost €10,000. It was one of these Electric Ireland scam texts that she clicked on and ended up speaking with Andrew from Revolut, who of course wasn't Andrew from uh, Revolut. But the sting in the tail for her was as soon as she realised that she was being scammed out of this money, Revolut weren't, even though the transaction was pending, Revolut weren't able to stop it. It's, it depends on the on the flow of so if it's already been authorised and gone. It started on that payment journey, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it's already in transit, so it's not actually in the Revolut account or, or the bank account in question. So unfortunately, they may not have been able to stop it, but they could definitely do a recall. So that's but you really need to act quickly on it. So I'm, I'm not sure in that particular case yeah. exactly at the end of the night. But if you do think you've fallen victim to any of these scams. The first thing you need to do is contact your bank straight away because to do a recall, the sooner you act on that, the more likely the money is still in that bank account and they have a chance to get that money back for you. Yeah, and there's just so many of these scams. Isn't there's there? it's so just... many of the scams, and please talk about it and get you know tell people what's happening. And um, don't be. I think you know one thing. I always say and we're a nation of talkers, but when it comes to money, we tend to clam up and not not want to talk about it or be too embarrassed. We need to let people know what's happening so that people can be alert and be aware of the different types of scams because 
they are so professional and they're so good at what they're doing we need to be alert at all times Yeah and that was one of the points actually when we were talking about it yesterday was uh, the number of people who have been scammed and they just feel so stupid that they clicked on a link or they gave the details or they spoke to somebody Selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the phone who sounded uh, genuine and because of that they're not reporting it and it does need to be reported it does need to be reported and it can happen to anyone like I, I keep saying it but these guys are professionals they know exactly this is their full time job they know exactly how to make us act without thinking they get us when we're busy when we're trying to do 20 different million things at once you know you might be get the kids upstairs to go to bed mm. and put out the washing whatever the case may be or working away as well you know you've got so many different things on and especially when we're working from home as well I think we tend to have more going on in our minds so it is really important to stay alert and to let people know even if you haven't fallen victim the guards are asking us to send this message out as well but if you have an account number that you are asked to transfer money to and you didn't transfer money to still report it because that's part of the jigsaw for them in trying to stop somebody else falling victim to it and that account being used for somebody else so it, all of that information is really valid to the RD in doing their investigation. Yeah, and hopefully one day we'll, we'll see an end to it because, as you say, uh, and, and when, they are, when they engage with you over the phone, I mean, this guy, Andrew, that we spoke about uh, yesterday with an Irish accent as well, he wasn't, because usually if it's somebody, English isn't their first language, sometimes draw, may, gets you suspicious. But it was the urgency. It was, you have to do it now if you yeah. don't do it. Now. And that seems to be common. That is, no matter what type of scam it is, whether it's a text scam or, you know, an email scam or over the phone, it is always a sense of urgency. And that is part of the kind of one of the things they, they do to make us act without thinking. And to get, like, otherwise, if you take your time with anything, 
you're, you're going to say to yourself, that doesn't seem quite right. Actually, I'm going to check that out. Whereas if there's a sense of urgency, you know, you need to act quickly um, before, like I say, the e-flow text messages, your account is not going to be, um, it's going to be suspended and you're going to, you know, the fees involved then if you don't pay your, your, your toll road or your account is suspended or your money is at risk or your electricity is going to be cut off. You know, all of these things, you go, oh, geez, I need all of that. Obviously, you need your electricity on. You need your mm. broadband for working from home or for whatever the case. You're going to act quicker to make sure that that doesn't happen because you don't want to have to go through the hassle of getting all that sources again. So all of these things are made to make us act without thinking. That is what they want us to do. That is their primary aim because if we do that, you'll hand over everything. Yeah, that's part of their modus operandi to get the money uh, out of you. So stop and think and take your time with everything. There isn't that sense of urgency. All right, Neve, listen, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. That is uh, Neve Davenport, Head of Fraud at the Banking and Payments uh, Federation. And money muling in particular was what we brought Neve on about. So please talk to your young people about it, particularly those in the 18 to 24 uh, age group. They are the ones that are really being uh, targeted. And of course, it's it's a get quick rich scheme and people think it's so easy but even not realising it is not a victimless crime but shocking to think that children as young as 14 but you would like to assume that parents have some idea on what money is going in and out of a 14 year old's bank account. Anne Gilday is a Dublin based uh, comedian Now many people will remember her as she was a co-founder of the comedy group The Newless but Anne is now out on her own and is bringing her hit show How to Get the Menopause and Enjoy It to the Everyman for one night only on Saturday, July the 8th. And I'm delighted to say that Angel Day has taken time out to join us this morning. Good morning to you, Anne. Morning, Patricia. Great to speak to you. And great to speak to you uh, as well. Now, anybody listening, currently going through the menopause will say, is she having a laugh? Get the menopause and enjoy <laughs> it. But that's exactly what the show is about. It's the funny side of the menopause, isn't it? it? It's the funny side of it. And I found the funny in kind of all the information because I was trying to, Patricia, it came out of this idea that I thought, okay, I'm in my fifties now. I have been involved in the entertainment industry my whole life. I thought I want to draw it all together. And I'm going to write a show about midlife. And then it was going in every direction. And it was my partner, Paul, who said to me, this was in the middle of lockdown. He went, you have to make it about menopause. And I was I totally rejected the idea. And then as time went on, I thought, oh, maybe the focus would be good. And I started looking into it. And the first um, um, feeling I had about it was absolute shock at all. I didn't know, Patricia. I, I knew nothing about the implications of menopause, about what's going on in the body, about how it affects absolutely every iota of the female body. And we don't realize it. And uh, so I, I then... The shock. <laughs> I was able to turn. I was able to turn that into comedy. Yeah, and if you think about it, I mean, the likes of Davina McCall, I think, has done wonders uh, for the menopause. That's it. You know, and that is a lucky thing, Patricia. I just started doing it. I was working on it. And then Patricia, um, then Davina came out with her show. Then Joe Duffy had that moment where there was the huge big phone in and suddenly everybody's talking about it. And it is a brilliant moment. And do you know what it is? I think it's that women of my generation are going, we're not going to be silent about this. You know, our mother's generation suffered in silence. I think that is 100% the key uh, to this. Uh, Previous generations of women were just, oh, it's your, uh, my late mother, your time of life. I I remember her talking about your time of life. Or She spoke about somebody, she's on the change. And it was always done in hushed 
voices. And I remember being a teenager yeah. going, what the hell are they talking about? But so, but we are getting better, aren't we, as, as women? We're really getting better. But that thing that I found really sad is that sometimes, you know, old, really older women, women in the 70s, 80s, and I've had a woman in there who was 90 come to the show. And it's really interesting to hear their experience. I had one woman who told me that she had a hysterectomy in her late 50s. And there was, she was on HRT for a while and a mistake was made. And she ended up being on it for years. And at the time, they didn't do that. They didn't allow women to stay on the HRT because there was this misconception that it was implicated in breast cancer. Mm. And so she said she was on it by mistake. And one day her doctor went, you shouldn't be on that. I'm going to I'm going to take you off it. And she allowed her doctor to do that. And she went, her health just absolutely deteriorated after that. Yeah. She said she was absolutely flying on the HRT. And like I say in the show, I'm not pushing HRT. Okay. I'm just saying to even just have the knowledge. Yeah. That like that that was one thing when I researched it and I was at that point postmenopausal, I decided to go on HRT, not for the immediate symptoms, but because of the long term implication of the change in your hormones that happens. We lose ninety-nine percent of our key sex hormones during menopause. And that has a massive long-term implication, particularly for our brains, bones and heart. And that was why I decided to go on HRT. That was, yeah, and, and so I talk about that and, in the show. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're you're right to, um, you know, to talk about that link that the, that has since turned out to, to be as spurious, the link that uh, it, it led to breast cancer. There was a whole generation of women then, because doctors were fearful of it, there was a whole generation of women missed out on HRT and HRT could oh, have changed their lives. Patricia, it's heartbreaking when you read about it. It was a study that was published in America 20 years ago called the Women's Health and Initiative study and it purported to show this incontrovertible link between breast cancer and HRT and of course everybody's afraid of cancer. I had breast cancer myself and I, I and that was another thing I um, cleared it with my oncologist before I went on HRT but I, I am okay to go on HRT. You know you can, there are these um, grey areas you know but this study when it was subsequently looked at and they went, hang on, the cohort was too narrow. Yeah. There was pre-existing conditions and the conclusions are completely erroneous. And in yeah. fact, you know what experts say now? They say that the benefits far outweigh the risks and that it has to be considered on a woman by woman basis because every woman has different things going on in her health history and in her body. And... Uh, there's brilliant people like Dr. Deirdre Lundy now who runs a specialist clinic. She's in, amazing. Uh, Hollis Street. She's, am she yeah, she's a, amazing. She's amazing. She's amazing. But would you see, we, we, people need, I talk to. we need more doctors like that around the country because that can be a problem. You can go in to a doctor, and, I, and I'm not putting down male doctors, but it can be male doctors, and you can go in to talk about the menopause. And, and sometimes they might be uncomfortable, they mightn't ha have all of the knowledge about HRT, and that can put a woman off straight away. I had one woman who said to me, she went into a doctor and she said, oh, what now? I want to talk about HRT. And I swear to God, her doctor said to her, I wouldn't know about that because uh, that's woman stuff. That's woman stuff. He's a doctor. 
It's insane. But I, I totally understand it because I gather from talking to people who've trained up until recently in medicine that um, menopause wasn't really covered that extensively. So when you don't have that background knowledge there mm. and you do have the shadow of cancer of the old study hanging over it, then I can see the reluctance. But I know I was talking to Deirdre Lundy last at a conference and her and another um, couple of doctors have set up a forum that GPs can consult if, so that they're up to speed on the latest with menopause and HRT and what to advise women. So there's, you know, there's more and more support out there for everybody. Do you deal with the, would, do you deal with the dreaded hot flushes? <laughs> <laughs> I do a bit, but I I get I kind of go down that there were so many other symptoms. Like I talk, this is TMI probably, but one of the most unusual symptoms I had, and I didn't realise it at the time, was um, change in body odour. I suddenly, okay. <laughs> I suddenly, I swear to God, I suddenly started smelling like cats. We in my early forties, and I thought. I was going insane and it was so self-conscious all the time when I'd be out. And I and I realised that it can be a huge symptom. Like, yes, we know we have to get the hot flushes, but things like changing body odour, uh, vertigo, terrible brain fog, um, mood swings, all these things, women don't realise they're all part of the piece too. And they just think they're going a bit mad. Yes, someone is saying I never realised developing facial hair is a sign of menopause. <gasps> <laughs> I know, that's one of the things I talk about. Yeah, getting your first moustache and not having a clue what it is. Yeah. I know, and it's not just like suddenly getting these downy moustache. I have, uh, my eyesight's gone really bad and I can't see, but when I'm out with my partner, we'll be out with dinners and he'll go, do you know that you have three huge hairs <laughs> sticking out of your chin? And then I'm in the restaurant going, oh, my God. With the tweezers <laughs> guess, trying to pluck them out very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to pluck them out. And he went, Jesus, will you stop doing that? You look ridiculous. <laughs> so so the audience the, the, and the audience that come along, I'm, I'm assuming it's predominantly female women of a certain age, is it? Do you know, it predominantly is, but like when I played Tala, I I met two gorgeous men and well they had booked the tickets and brought their wives along and both of them were going to me. Now we understand. Now we get it. And I've had women, I've had women come back to the show up to four times, bringing, uh, often bringing um, husbands along and they bring yeah. their sisters and, and other women and men really enjoy the show. As I say to them, it's a very inclusive condition. You don't have to get it to suffer from it. <laughs> and, and the guys do enjoy it. Do you know, I always say this to the fellas. If, if there was a show about the secret life of men and what goes on with men, I would be the first in the queue. That's true. This is a show about the secret life of women. Because I, I also frame it in terms of menopause being like reverse puberty. Um, that the hormones that we are, that our body suddenly starts producing when we were eleven or twelve, it you know menopause is the end of that. Your body ceasing to produce them. So I talk a lot about the experience that your typical Irish woman had going through puberty in the seventies and eighties, and 
oh, the guys are just like jaws dropping on the floor. <laughs> you know, it's just that whole hidden thing of yeah. like, you know, the whisper. I, I, like I talk about the standard product we had back then and how like nobody, you know, it was this whole reluctance to even l- let a girl use a tampon. Yeah, oh like, goodness, yeah. M- my, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I, tampons, I, I, as my mother called them. My mother used to go, oh, you, can, you can't use tampons. They make you lose your virginity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went. Well, I went to a school of nuns, and that was uh, spoken about in one of our so-called sex education classes. They were completely against using tampons because of what it would what it would do down there was the words that that were used. Well, it, it, but it, but then you're scared. Yeah, yeah. I remembered whispered conversations with my girlfriends. It'd be like, you know, what if it got lost? And, <laughs> you know, there was a whole, whole thing about the girl who put in the tampon, and uh, she forgot about it and. She died. she died. Yeah. <laughs> I heard about that girl as well. Isn't it funny? Yeah. We all heard about that same that same poor girl. Okay, and does the does someone wants to know, does does Anne bring the guitar on stage? You do, you, you sing. Oh yes, well. I do. I sing. I've, you know, singing has always been a part of what I do, but you know, from the newlis and and other stuff. So yes, three very funny songs okay. in the show. All right, that's um and I I I'd, People have loved the show. It's a very, 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 very funny and entertaining show. And uh, the response has been incredible. And I feel so privileged that I can play the Everyman again because it's my favourite. I was theater. just going to say, have you played love. Have you played the Everyman you have? Yes. Would you know over the years I've played every theatre there. I played Cork Opera House. There used to be the Half Moon Theatre. Do you remember yeah, that gorgeous yeah, theatre at yeah. the back of there? Um, City Limits when it was starting yeah, out years ago in the early 90s. And uh, The Everyman many times with the Newlands. So I love you, it. You've been around there. And I love there's something very special yeah. about The Everyman. That, uh, there really is. Okay, so you're here for... Well, did you know, yeah. Patricia, do you know that Laurel and Hardy played there? I, do you know yes, that? Yes, I do. Yes, I mean, I, yeah. I, every time I go there, I just... I, I always invoke Laurel and Hardy before yeah. I go on stage. And they, I just go. They were gorgeous. Yeah, they were gorgeous. Yeah. Okay, so from Laurel yeah. and Hardy to Anne Gilday, talking about the menopause, how to get it and how to enjoy it. <laughs> One night only, uh, Saturday the 8th of uh, July. Listen, it's been a real pleasure. Enjoy your night in Cork, uh, Anne. And thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you so much, Patricia. Okay, God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. That is uh, Anne uh, Gilday. Patricia says this, sister, you would not want to know about the secret life of men, which was suggested by Anne Gilday, because you couldn't handle it. My wife is going through menopause. She's unbearable to live with. Signed, Tom, not my real name for obvious reasons. Your poor wife. Be kind to her. That's what she needs at the moment if she's struggling through the menopause. And maybe, Tom, not your real name. Maybe you could buy two tickets and go along to the everyman and sit with your wife and sit through Anne's show how to get the menopause and enjoy it and you might learn from it and be able to help your uh, wife but uh, uh, if she's unbearable at the moment just be kind to her because it is not her fault what she's going through at the moment thank you for your text all this week we have teamed up with the Cork Summer Show because we're proud to be their media partners again uh, this year and the Cork Summer Show is happening at this weekend 17th and 18th of June and we have a wonderful daily prize to give away 
on the programme today. It is a family pass. It'll get two adults and two children in. We're throwing in lunch. We've been throwing in some soft drinks and there's some free amusement rides for the kids and for the adults if they want to go on the amusements uh, as well. And of course, if you want to purchase tickets, they are on sale at CorkSummerShow.com. But your chance to win that family pass now. Every day this week, we are asking questions about Cork places that you might like to visit this summer. So today's question is name the West Cork Island connected to the mainland by cable car. And this was something actually we were talking about in the news only a few days ago. So name the West Cork Island connected to the mainland by cable car. I think it is the only island connected to uh, the mainland by cable car in the whole of Europe, I think we mentioned last Friday. Okay, so I need the answer. I want your name and address. Text and WhatsApp only, please, to 0862103103. 0862103103. If you can name the West Cork Island connected to the mainland by cable car, what island are we speaking about? All the correct answers will go into a hat we'll leave it open for about 10 minutes and then one lucky listener will win that, will win that family show entry uh, ticket along with the lunch vouchers and the free amusement rides to go to the Cork Summer Show this weekend the 17th and the 18th get texting and whatsapping on that and while we're waiting for our winner let me go back to the weather for a moment because I was talking about how muggy uh, tonight particularly is going to uh, be and there is always this risk and this danger because of this heavy weather that we have at the moment. There's always a risk of heavy downpours and thunderstorms. Well, Met Aaron have issued a status yellow thunderstorm uh, warning. Now, it's for a number of, it's for 10 counties in total. Now, luckily... We're not included here in Cork, but some of our neighbours are, uh, for example, like uh, Kerry, Limerick, Tipperary. Uh, they're all, they're three of the 10 counties that are under a status yellow thunderstorm warning from now until nine o'clock uh, tonight, but everywhere, but they're expecting the Midlands and the West will probably get the most intense downpours. And there's a worry there that that could lead to uh, some uh, flooding. And tomorrow then is even going to be warmer again, going up to 27 degrees Celsius, uh, 26, 27 degrees uh, tomorrow. And of course, when I'm calling out the weather forecast and when I'm calling out how warm it is, I'm always talking about the UV index being high. And of course, the advice there for everyone when you're out and about, even in cloudy conditions, to make sure you've got your sunscreen on. And that's for all of uh, the family. So interested to see the Irish Cancer Society once again out asking the government to please, 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 will you abolish the VAT on sunscreen? We spoke about this a number of weeks ago, funny enough, with the Irish uh, Cancer Society. So Avril Power, the CEO of the Irish Cancer Society, she's out saying, talk about the fact that sunscreen in Ireland can be expensive and it is very expensive, particularly for the ones with the high SPF, which is the sun protection factor that we need. And she was pointing out earlier this morning that the price of sunscreen was it's already expensive. 20% of that can be made up of VAT. So that's going straight to the government. And she says the reason the VAT is so high is sunscreen is treated as a cosmetic uh, product. And she says it shouldn't be treated as a cosmetic pro- product. It instead should be treated as an, an essential medical product. And by doing that, 
you reduce the VAT to zero. She said it is a no-brainer in terms of cost. And let's remember that the most common cancer and uh, the, it is our most common cancer, skin cancer and prevention is a lot cheaper both for the individual and obviously for the state as well. So she's calling on the government to please step up. I mean they're hardly going to do it for this summer but they'd have the opportunity to do it in the budget in October for next year and just get rid of VAT on sunscreen. The Irish Cancer Society is also calling on the government to follow the initiative of the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, they provide free sun protection in public places. And the Cancer Society are making the point that sometimes you're out and about and you might have applied your sunscreen in the morning, but you might have stayed out longer than what you thought. Or maybe you forgot to bring sunscreen uh, with you. And if you've got children and you're out for a full day. So in public places, there should be free sunscreen available. A little bit like when during the pandemic, when we were all walking in and out of shops and businesses and you just put your hand under the hand sanitizer. Why can't we have sort of a system like that in public places and make it easy for people to get sunscreen and, of course, certainly to protect uh, children. Their skin needs to be really, really uh, protected. So uh, well done to the Irish Cancer Society once again making that call to get rid of VAT on sunscreen. But hard to believe 20% of the cost of something that is, as you know, as Avril says, and everybody will agree, if you've bought sunscreen lately, it is already an expensive item without 20% of it going back into the coffers of the government. I spoke about electricity uh, earlier on and the first of the electricity bills now are starting to arrive without the €200 Euro energy credit that we were all very thankful to the government for giving us and getting us over uh, the winter months. Well, that's prompted somebody to say they've been looking back on their electricity bills over the winter months. And this person reckons they didn't receive the full €200 Euro credit. Uh, this person says, looking at my bills, there was a €70 Euro credit and an €80 Euro, uh, credit and I don't know what is going on there. This one says, what should I do? I will be getting back onto your energy company and ask them to explain because it should have been on some bills, it looked like slightly under €200 Euro because it had to be, it came to 200 in total, but so much of it was VAT because there was VAT on top of it as well. So I think it worked out, it was at 178 was the energy credit and the rest was made up in VAT, but it came out at €200. Euro. So I would say, get on to your energy company. There is probably an explanation for it. Maybe it's a monthly bill you've been getting and it got split up, energy credit and VAT. It could be something as simple as that, but certainly look into it. You were entitled uh, uh, to us. Oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three and an email in from the Bantry Bay Lions Club to say they're having their second annual charity bed push fundraiser and it is taking place next Sunday from half past twelve at the Slob car park in Bantry. Now this is a family friendly event and the plan is that the day will raise money for the street community cafe and it will also raise money for the West Cork Jesters and they are two of the Bantry Bay Lions clubs at charities. They're looking for teams of five Teams of five will race to compete in the bed push. Now, there'll be music and food vendors with a good few games. So very much a family day out. Still not too late if you want to register. Teams of five can register €50 uh, to register. And they're still being accepted to to register, though. You need to contact Aaron Buckley on 087-788-9382. Now, raffle tickets will be available on Friday 
at the market in uh, Bantry. They'll also be available on the the day and then the draw will take place at the end of the event. And by the way, the Bantry Bay Lions Club, they say they're always looking for new members. If anybody has a few hours every month and you'd be willing to help out Lions Club's all over the country, all over the world, do wonderful, wonderful work in their local uh, community. They also get involved in national and international uh, projects uh, as well. And if you're interested in becoming a member of Bantry Bay Lions Club, maybe you're new to the area, that would be a really good organisation to join. 087-774-9992. That's Jerry's number if you would like to become a member. But in the meantime, the best of luck to everybody who will be taking part in the annual charity Bed Push and we hope you raise lots of money for two very worthwhile causes. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Mass will be held in Wing Cemetery tonight, half past seven, and then tomorrow, Wednesday, Mass will be held in Glantan Cemetery, again at half past seven. Shambhalimore, bingo, that's on tonight, eight o'clock start, Shambhalimore Community Centre with a jackpot of €1,800. 40, 45 calls are less. All are welcome. The next meeting of Donrail for All takes place tomorrow, Wednesday at 7pm and that will be in the Presentation Pastoral Centre. And Blarney and District Historical Society are presenting a field trip to Waterloo. It's on this Thursday. The meet is at 20 past seven at St. Mary's Church and the speaker will be John Mulcahy. Everyone is welcome and there is no uh, charge. And there'll be a Cayley held, a wonderful Cayley, in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic on this Friday night, half past nine. Music is by Ger Murphy. Admission, 10 euro. And that does include teas. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. We got an email request in looking for a man with a certain look. And to find out more, I go into the phone lines where Fiona DC, uh, casting and project manager with Storm Extra, uh, joins me. Uh, good, mo- good afternoon to you, Fiona. Good afternoon, how are you? I'm, I'm very well. I think it's the first time we've had a, a, an actual picture sent in saying we want somebody to look like this. Okay, <laughs> this excited. Yeah, absolutely. This is to do with uh, a documentary that's been made in West Cork. It is. It's Tuesday and Analogies on Tuesday the 20th of June. And can you tell us about the documentary? It's based about um, a man, Peter, who we're looking for, and Harriet. And I believe they've set up a retreat um, out in in West Cork, kind of based around Tibetan um, beliefs. Okay, so it's a true story. You're following, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. They came over from Swansea in the early 1970s, and I think they they got the retreat up and running in the 1990s. And sadly, Harriet passed away, and it was her passing away that has kind of um, led led them to where they are right now to kind of document. Um, their beliefs and, and, and them trying to get this retreat up off the ground. And Peter, is that, is that you said the gentleman's name? That's, yeah, yeah, Peter is the man that I am on the hunt for. Okay, and is Peter still alive? Uh, I believe he is, yeah. Okay, all right, so it's a young, it's, but it's obviously a younger version of Peter. And you've sent on pictures, it's, he's a very 80s look about him, doesn't he? Kind of mop of hair. Well, this is this picture was taken in the seventies, so yeah, kind of late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, slim build, um, clean shaven, 
um, shoulder length hair. Yeah, so that's that's who I'm I'm trying to. So okay, so you can. you want someone who looks who who looks as you say like that, yes. slim build. Does height matter? Not hugely, no. Um, I'd say he's probably about five seven, five eight. So anything in and around that will work will work for us. Okay, but are, it's the slim build and the clean shaven, yeah. and the hair. Well, That's the clean shaven we can deal with. It's the hair more than it. so. Somebody in their thirties who's got a fine mop of hair. Yes. Yeah, kind of 70s style, almost kind of looks almost Afro-like, it but, does. you know, full, it's, yeah, it's full not, head it's, of hair. It's not quite a perm. Um, yeah. dar- and it's dark. Dark, yeah, yeah. Acting experience? Uh, not not necessarily um, important because there's no um, speaking lines. So it's just kind of recreating them driving around West Cork in their Renault 4. So that's... And you have, the per- the you, gist of it. you have the person to play Harriet, do you? I have Harriet. Yeah, yeah Harriet yeah. is all sorted. Yeah, the, she- the driving is all sorted. So it's just just the man. I'm trying to get my hands on. <laughs> man, yeah. man in alley, he's uh, needed. And filming is going to be just on the one day, is it, next Tuesday? Just the one day next Tuesday, yeah. Okay, all right. And we have all of your uh, contact uh, details. It's uh, casting at stormextras.ie. And when do you expect this document complete and will will we get to see it? Oh, well, you'll definitely get to see it, uh, probably in the autumn sometime. Okay, all right. Well, come yeah. back and let us know when, when it's I on because I, I definitely would be interested in uh, seeing it. And we wish you luck in your chase for somebody who looks like Peter. Thank you so much Thanks for so giving much. me the time. Our Thank pleasure, you. Fiona. Bye bye. That is uh, Fiona. Bye bye, Fiona DC, casting and project manager with uh, Storm Extras. And uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to put up a picture on our social media uh, whether uh, whether John Paul's going to be able to do that, so we can get a picture of what this of what Peter looked like back in the. Uh, late 70s early uh, 80s but if you think that you fit the bill or if you know somebody in your household that fits the bill as they say acting experiences isn't needed because you're more going to be filmed sitting in the car with Harriet driving around or walking around West Cork early 30s slim build but you need to have a fine mop of dark shoulder length hair and uh, clean uh, shaven and it's a paid position by the way you will get paid for it I should have I wasn't going to get into the nitty gritties of how much it would be but you do get paid 0818 uh, 103 uh, three. We were talking about electricity and electricity uh, costs uh, and how everything is going up at the moment. Well, it's kind of a little bit of good news, I suppose, if you have any money sitting on deposit in the bank, because AIB, which is the country's leading bank, have announced um, that they are putting up interest rates for savers and obviously that's now putting it up to all of the other banks to do the same thing. AIB and obviously its subsidiary EBS are, t- are today saying they will pay 2% on a number of deposit uh, accounts and that's up from 1% with experts pointing out that it's more now than a decade since saving interest rates were at 2% and the move is now likely to force the likes of Bank of Ireland and permanent TSB to quickly respond as well. Banks in this country, of course, have come in for huge, huge criticism up to now 
for just passing on a fraction of the seven European Central Bank rate interest to savers. Now, it was very different if you were paying a mortgage. They put the increases on straight away. But for people who had money in the bank, they were very, very slow indeed. And it's only a tiny proportion has been handed back to savers. And by the way, there are a lot of people in this country with a lot of money in savings. It's estimated there's around 151 billion, no, not million, 151 billion in household savings. And that's across the three retail banks, Bank of Ireland, AIB and Permanent TSB. And obviously there's a proportion of that money in credit unions as well. And most of it has been earning little or nothing for uh, years. So AIB has announced it's increasing the savings rate to 2% on both AIB and ESB, their EBS, their regular saver offerings and for, for other different saving schemes there is anything between 1.5 and uh, 2% uh, and all of the rate changes are happening they say with immediate effect and the failure up to now by the banks to pass on the ECB rate rises means that savers really have been uh, short-changed and it's something we've mentioned on this programme, particularly when we've spoken with consumer advocates who were always giving out about it and saying this is just jolly unfair. Banks have been using that $151 billion of our household savings. They've been using that money to subsidise mortgage rates that then allow the banks to compete with other banks for mortgage business. So the central bank governor, he actually calls this out in April when he told TDs and senators that Irish banks are making around $1.8 billion a year by putting household and business deposits into the European Central Bank. So they take our money and business deposits and they put it on deposit with the ECB and they get paid 3.25% for that. It really does seem, almost seems like daylight robbery. Uh, He said, this is the Central Bank Governor, he said using the money from savers is basically subsidising mortgage holders. Now Bank of Ireland increased its interest rate for savers. They've done it twice this year and permanent TSB have also put up their rates, but it's by a tiny, tiny amount a much lower than what the AIB group have announced now. Interest paid on some new state savings uh, also increased in March and that wasn't before time. Those state savings, that's the first time they increased in 16 years. They're the on-post uh, products and they, of course they're largely tax-free but experts say the rates that have been on offer certainly over the last 16 years are actually poor despite the recent increases. So central bank figures show that this country has some of the lowest saving interest rates when you compare us to the rest of the Eurozone. And Derek Cassidy of the price comparison website bonkers.ie, he's come out saying AIB have come under huge pressure to put up its deposit rate. He said Irish banks can still offer higher rates, pointing out that people who sign up for Europe-wide saving platform Trade Republic can get 2% on amounts up to uh, 50,000. So he's making the point that it can be done in other European countries. Uh, It should be done here. So a step in the right direction from AIB uh, and we now wait for Bank of Ireland and permanent TSB to follow suit. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text
text lines are currently closed. And you can stop texting us on our summer show competition. The answer was, of course, uh, Dursey Island. And our winner today is Joe Collins in Carrick Twohill. Congratulations, Joe Collins. You've won for yourself a family pass to go to the Cork Summer Show. Two adults, two children. You will get a lunch voucher for the four of you at uh, O'Cruley's on-site restaurant. Does include some soft drinks to wash it all down. And there's also some free amusement rides. Enjoy. That's Joe. Collins. We've a similar pack to give away tomorrow uh, to celebrate this year's Cork Summer Show, which is happening on the 17th and 18th. It is Munster's largest outdoor food market, live music, horticulture, cookery demonstrations, farm animals, and lots, lots more. And tickets are available at corksummershow.com. Joe Heffernan uh, joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And um, we're going to talk about goal and goal setting, but just before yeah. we do, because we in last week of the week before we were offering words of advice to the Leaving Cert um, and the Junior Cert students there was a bit of a clangor on last Friday with the Honours Maths paper and I felt so sorry for students and I was following it online and there was devastation in families saying trying to get their son and daughter back on track now luckily Mm. paper two yesterday seemingly looked a lot more uh, normal but it struck me and I thought of you straight away it's to try and get people to move on forget about the paper you can't do anything about it now you need to just press on and move forward absolutely but there are words of comfort um, I was reading because I was very interested in it, of course, and I felt for the, the students, um, God loved them, especially seeing as that was their very first sit-down government exam, um, that particular cohort. And um, But apparently this bell curve, now I, <laughs> I'd failed mathematics completely, but yeah. um, apparently the marking system, there will be the same amount of H1s like the high... Um, the, the, uh, old, the old A's that we used to talk about. The old A's. Now yeah. you have it. Yeah. And uh, and all of that. So there's, apparently there will be adjustments made accordingly with the marking system so that people um, apparently can be reassured that they've done better than they thought. Yeah. Um, but so it just seemed it just seemed very unfair that they could change the paper and the style of the paper that much down to I heard maths teachers I heard one man yeah. who's been teaching honours maths for 25 years and he said yeah. he couldn't do the paper no crazy Imagine. crazy I don't know yeah. what there will definitely be after it there'll be an investigation into it to make sure that it never happens again because that simply just is not fair particularly on the subject that we're encouraging young people to take up because of the STEM subjects we need more people taking honours maths and I mean to yeah, the point they gave the you extra points you said that now about the STEM subjects that's a particular bee in my bonnet because um, the funding for universities now is all towards the STEM subjects, you know? Yeah. Uh, science, maths, um, uh, engineering, uh, technology. But what we're famous for on this little island, the humanities, um, English, literature, um, all of those are being starved of funding. So we could finish up with all STEM and no flower. Um, uh it's a, it's a disgrace, really, the way that those subjects are being uh, apparently definitely downgraded for funding, but sort of being downgraded as well. Um, 
you know. And so the others are being prioritised. over the whole blooming world, yeah. I hope they might get that right. Yeah, and another thing, and, and I didn't get to it today, I might get to it tomorrow, another one that I feel quite strongly uh, is to do with apprenticeships. Not everybody is, yeah. is, has the ability to do honours maths. Not everybody has the ability to get the 600 points and go on to third level. Yeah. And we will, and we have a shortage of tradespeople and we need to be encouraging our young people who don't have that, or don't want to go down that ac- academic route and want to go into the trades and I see there's yeah. a move to up the pay that's paid to apprenticeships and that's not before yeah. time because it's way off the minimum wage it So, is. and we need more tradespeople. we will always need plumbers and electricians and well, painters and, the and carpenters thing is that people have spent donkey's years in university got very high degrees and the way the universities are now with offering people a kind of part-time contracts from September until May and then you can whistle for the summer and the holiday times. Um, uh, you know, there are an awful lot of unemployed PhDs yeah. in the country. Yeah. And if I wanted in the morning a number of MA honours or even PhD students um, to come to do a particular thing here, there'd be quite a few people at the door. But if I want an electrician or a plumber, I'm merely to go down on the hands and knees yeah. and say, please come. Yeah, yeah. If you have sons and daughters of that age, start pointing them in the direction of apprenticeships, they could get a great career out of it. Anyway, Absolutely. that's our rant over. Let's go to goal and <laughs> goal settings. Now, you're basing... It might tie in with it. It absolutely will. You base it on what you call the SMART model. The SMART model, that um, a goal or goals should be specific, what exactly am I looking, do I want? Um, measurable, um, uh, you know, how, how will I know if I'm making progress with my goal or goals? It should be appealing. Is it something that I really want to happen or want to do, etc.? It should be realistic. For example, with my maths acumen um, down through all the years, if I put down that I wanted to be an engineer, that would be silly because no way could it happen. So it has to be realistic and um, it has to be timed. Like, by what date do I want to have this achieved? Um, What's my first move? Um, uh, What will I see um, uh, after one week, after two weeks? Am I keeping track of um, of it? So there would be the things. We can start with specific, um, just like you said there, this minute, um, you know, what exactly do I want to achieve? Do I okay. want to do an and apprenticeship? If, okay, let's, huh? yeah, let's, let's look on it on something that a lot of people might be able to identify. Say, for example, somebody listening wants to lose weight. Somebody needs to lose stone in weight. Okay, right. so, so we will say that that's, ex- that's what the person wants to achieve. So that's the oh. specific aim. Exactly. So okay. that's my specific aim. Okay. Now, what do I do? Um, you know, what's my, I know we're skipping up and down now through the SMARTs, but um, what's the first thing I need to do? Maybe it's I need to go online and look up, um, uh, you know, best tips for losing weight. Uh, maybe I need to make a phone call. Maybe I need to uh, join a gym. Maybe I just simply need to up my uh, exercise. Uh, Maybe I need to look at my diet. But the main thing in all of these is to have a few pages to write stuff down. Because um, 
if it's on the all kind of like washing around in the head it 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 can be gone by 3 p.m. and um uh, and it's forgotten and yeah. other things take over you haven't you haven't set the goal so put it down on paper the list of things that you could do you know changing your your diet what you eat cut out yeah. the rubbish as you say join a gym or maybe get more exercise in and but but keep it all as realistic as possible, you know. Don't Absolutely. don't say oh, I'm going to run a marathon at the end of the first week, for example. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't work out. And maybe to put it on the, you know, the way we do things with um, what do they call them on the fridge door? Um, you know, nice little things of maybe somewhere we've been, but to put up there um, a little uh, a little reminder. You know, and it can be absolutely tiny. It can be like a poster, but it reminds us. So, like a vision, like a, like, a, like a vision board. I had a friend of mine who put yeah. on weight after having her her second baby, and she was really struggling. She lost it fine after the first one, but struggled usually to lose it after the second one. And she came across a photograph of herself in a bikini, uh, and she printed it off and she put that on the fridge door. And she said that right. worked because anytime she went to the fr- fridge to She'd look at it and go, okay, that's my goal. I want to get back into that bikini. I want to look like right. that again. And Absolutely. she used that like almost like a vision board. So, yeah, so something like that. And it's a constant reminder. Yeah. And it's also a kind of um, a motivator because, um, you know, you might realize that, okay, I was to go for a bit of a, a walk or a jog today. I didn't do it. And every time I look at the fridge door, I'm reminded, go and do it. So, yeah. Okay, yes, and then obviously the next one on SMART, um, M is measurable. How do you measure your progress? That's, you know, maybe a once a week weigh-in. Don't do it every day, but maybe once a week. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, many a person that I would have talked to down through um, the years there would have said that they joined a certain organisation. I suppose there are several of them, but there would have been, um, I don't know, was it a weekly or a fortnightly or what, weigh-in. Mm. And... Um, you know, people might be delighted and be praised for the progress that they made, or they might be quite disappointed that they felt that they did things uh, fairly correctly and still, uh, you know, didn't lose a bit of weight, and that could be talked over and all of that. So, yeah, that if a person is what we'll call a joiner, um, well, then these organisations well, can, be, yeah. can be helpful. Yeah. So, just with the example that you uh, outlined, uh, that that would be one little way of uh, literally measuring what's yeah. going on. And then the A in SMART is appealing. So, so this is what? Yeah. What is the payoff? Is it that exactly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And your friend with the um, bikini with shot, the, the, <laughs> the, the photograph on the yeah. on the fridge door. Um, you know, the payoff would be I will be back to getting into that bikini yeah. again. And um, and I and I and I'll feel I'll feel pretty good when I do that. Yeah, so, and or it could be a wedding that's coming up that you want to look very well for in a, in a, in a particular outfit. Yeah, like that's all the payoff. And then obviously how it's going to benefit you if you if you lose weight, you're obviously going to feel better. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Is that most goals, all goals, really are about um, achievement and feeling better about oneself. And that's so good for our self-esteem that, you know, um, we uh, we like ourselves a little bit better than we did before we achieved whatever it is, A, B or C. 
Yeah. And then how realistic is, is the goal? I mean, if it is, if we're, we're, we're still using this model of I want to lose a stone, you're not going to lose that in a week. So you've exactly. got to be very realistic about are you going to do it over three months? Are you going to do it over six months? Are you going to do it over a year? You set the yeah. goal. I mean, that's, this is exactly what this is about. Absolutely. It's, it's what's realistic for you. Some people can lose weight very quickly, but others can't. So you need yeah. to set it because you don't want to set yourself up for failure. Absolutely not. Like, for example, when I was choosing way back in the distant century uh, what I would do because I decided to go to college, um, anything with serious maths in it was simply crossed off the list. Um, I, I would know that realistically I couldn't cope with that. So I finished up doing the likes of English and history and things like that that didn't involve uh, mathematics because in my particular um, mindset um, it was not uh, my <laughs> it was not my forte whatsoever yeah, so, so make it to, realistic. Be, to be realistic yeah. yeah okay and then obviously you're setting a date and when you hope to have the goal achieved so that's talk, you're talking about if it's in three months six months or in a year tell yeah. me about the harvest business school book oh, it's a very the, interesting yeah, story tell that story really interesting well, no, there was a book came out by a uh, chap, Mark McCormick. Um, uh, uh, what they don't teach you at Harvard Business School was the name of the book. And then um, uh, there, there was a study um, conducted on students in the 1979 Harvard um, Master of Business, uh, the MBA program anyway. And... Um, in that year, 1979, the students were asked, have you um, uh, set clear goals for your future and made plans to accomplish them? In other words, what we are talking about today. Now, only 3% of the graduates, only 3% imagining, um, had written goals and plans. Now, that's written goals and plans. 13% had goals but they were not in writing. They were just, as we'll say, in the head. And a whopping 84% had no specific goals at all. Now, in this study, the same students were interviewed 10 years later. And the members of the class were interviewed, and the findings, while somewhat maybe, maybe a little bit predictable, were astonishing. The 13% of the class who had goals were earning, on average, twice as much as the... Now, being American, like, would be based on what people were earning, so fair enough. Um, uh, the people who um, ha had goals were earning, on average, twice as much as the 80% who had no goals at all. And the 3%, imagine... The 3% who had clear written goals were earning on average 10 times as much as the other 97% put together. That's incredible, isn't it? Totally. It just shows the, the value of writing down a thing. Um, you know, it, it can be simple. It can be like if I need to phone... Um, uh, our house insurance is up soon and uh, it needs to be dealt with. So if I write down 
on a little notice board that we feel in the kitchen, or the front of the telly, or an X on the back of my hand even, if I write down ring uh, insurance company uh, this afternoon, I'll just ring insurance company, I will do it. I will definitely do it because I have a constant reminder every time I turn left, right or centre, the reminder is there. Now, that's an extremely simplistic example of a written goal. But um, the uh, to write down nothing and to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I must do that. I'll remember that now. And then suddenly it's half past five or six o'clock. I didn't ring. And now it's too late to ring. And, you know, um, we all know the feeling. We all know it very, very well. So that, like, um, written reminders, but it can be much more, obviously, with these people in this survey. It was much, much more um, comprehensive than a reminder. But uh, it just shows you. It's incredible. Um, it's incredible. It's a, yeah. absolutely it's incredible. OK, we leave it there, um, Joe. Pleasure, as always. Have a good week and we'll talk soon. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Patricia. Good afternoon. Joe Heffernan, he runs a counselling practice in Bohubui. His number is 086-834-8145. 086-834-8145. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon. And I'm back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.